Belads, tis to glory we steer to add something more to this wonderful year. To honor we call you as free men, not slaves. For who are so free as the sons of the waves? And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Red alert! All hands to battle stations! Engage! Captain Picard is a pain, isn't he? Interesting. No redeeming qualities. I think you should be destroyed. The great Captain Picard of Starfleet falls to Earth. Go back. Thou shalt most certainly die. Protect yourself, Captain, without destroying We are dangerous. What can I offer except myself? Can we just get down to it, please? Get us out of orbit! One minute, auto-destruct. We're through running from these bastards. Perhaps today is a good day to die. Welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday, number 74. This is the Next Generation Edition, the 1701D. And D stands... D. Yes, D stands for Don't You Think You Should Be Watching More Star, War- Star Wars. Star Trek. You should be watching more Star Wars, too. I am Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with... D. Oh. Mis- <laughs> Mr. D. <laughs> Scott Gardner. Because <laughs> there is a D man? in his name. <laughs> And that D oh. stands for day. <laughs> Hello, welcome back. Oh, I'm I'm having such a good time. This is fun. I like you... the, I like this bridge a little bit. I, I for sentimental reasons, the 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 original series bridge is always my favorite bridge. But damn, this bridge has like the velour seats and stuff. It's got a little '70s van carpeting in it. I like it. This Warm, one's much more toes. conducive to a nap, which yes. at my age is, I'm all about the naps, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, Picard was the captain, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, if you don't know, dear listener, we are doing this the old school way that we always used to do these episodes where we actually split our Star Trek Monthly Mondays into two distinct entities. So uh, if you haven't already listened to it, there is a prior episode to this that should also be up today, just went up just before this one for Star Trek TOS, the original series. So make sure that you're listening to both of the shows and, uh, you know, it's a double dose of Trek. It's good stuff, and I think you'll enjoy it. So, what do we yeah. got for this time around? Well, we've got the... We're, we're way... We're, we're neck deep in the, the third season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, we're at the, mm-hmm. eight, the 18th episode. Yeah. So there's only a few more episode episodes, season three. episodes left in this season. Cool. And, well, uh, you know, big stuff at the end of this season because this season is the one that ends with Best of Both Worlds Part One, and uh, that uh, that's some good, good stuff. I don't know if you've ever I've seen. I've never seen it. Good, yeah, so you're you're in for a treat. That's going to be good stuff. Like the so beginning of season three that. is when I stopped watching it regularly. I caught random episodes, you know, on reruns in the intervening years, but like, yeah. There's a good, from here till the end, there's a good chunk that I haven't seen. I've never seen the last episode. I I have missed probably all the Touchstone episodes after this <laughs> point. So I'm really excited about seeing them. You know, I've been hearing about them for years. And I've been, and, and I've been always waiting to be like, well, someday I'm going to sit down and watch them in order. And now I have an excuse. Well, I've had an excuse <laughs> for years too, but now I'm finally back on the back on the Star Trek train. (laughs) Well, are we ready to jump into the episode that we have for this time around? Yes, and you are the synopsis master for this one. Synopsis. So, uh, right. in some rated breath. You're proud of this one. I know you've been looking forward (laughs) to this one. So stop me if you've heard this one before. (laughs) A Miserian, a Bolian, and a Starfleet captain walk into a bar. That's kind of what you got with this episode. We are talking about Allegiance, as Chris said. This is the 18th episode of the uh, third season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Originally aired the week of March 26th, 1990. So, yeah, a good long while ago. All right, so actually the story with this one is that Captain Picard is snatched from his quarters and deposited in a small room alongside an officious little shit from Mizar 2 and a a female Bolian Starfleet cadet. A little while later, they are joined by a fierce Kalnoth named Asok, and that's properly spelled with two Qs for those that are playing along at home. Meanwhile, back on the 1701E, or actually D, isn't it? Oh, my note is wrong. It's actually the 1701D. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, It takes the crew a good long while to figure out, or care for that matter, that anything's actually amiss because we've secretly replaced their old lame-ass captain with cool new doppelganger brand Picard. So let's see if they can tell the difference. Eventually, Picard susses out that the Bolian chick sure knows a lot of classified stuff for her rank, and the gig is up. Turns out, it's those darn pesky extraterrestrials that just love absconding with innocent Earth folk and putting them through their space rat mazes again. This time, 
it was to test, I don't know, human loyalty or tolerance or something. I, I really wasn't paying attention because, frankly, I was too busy being horrified by the fact that they both looked like Bruce Campbell and uh, a protoceratops had sex. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all's well that ends well, I guess. But I kind of feel sorry for the Enterprise crew because for the briefest of moments anyway... They finally had a really swell Captain Picard that everybody really dug, but now they're back to putting up with this stodgy, boring old fucker again. The end. <laughs> so what'd you think says, of this one, Allegiance? That, that about says it all. I have different names for uh, these guys. I've, <laughs> okay. I've got co- cobra he- the Cobra Head Wimp, um, Seam Face, and Goofy Tooth. <laughs> Seam face looks like a cheap action figure, basically. (laughs) Believe it or not, this episode was nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding uh, Achievement in Makeup. No, all, like, um, the the aliens, when they're revealed, I remember watching this and thinking, yeah, they put some money in the budget for makeup in this one, because there's a bunch of those aliens, and they've got some pretty complex prosthetics on for not being in the episode for very long at all so they put some work into this and and even seam face to seam face the the what um um the cobra head wimp not only did he have like a pretty complicated bit of prosthetics on his face but he had like the the amphitheater from uh like Oh, what what is that open garden in California where you know where Bugs Bunny did the you know? <laughs> la, 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 la. He's got the that's right. all folks on his head. He's basically Porky Pig coming out of the that's all folks. So yeah, there was some, and and I've been watching you know not to bring up another show, but I've been watching the Orville in the absence of of anything Star Trek TNG like. And going, man, this is so much like TNG. And then watching an actual episode of TNG, I'm like, oh, uh, TNG put a little more money into it. <laughs> you can see, like, on the sets and the... Then again, they were building sets for the long term in, in, by this time. But still, there's a, there were... A, the, these TNG episodes have some money sunk into them. Even this one that takes place on very few you know it's either on the ship or on one set you know they 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 spent the rest they put the rest of the money into makeup and uh and a decent script (laughs) which i which we couldn't say about the its sister episode (laughs) in the original series not that the script for this one was anything like groundbreaking it's your pretty standard you know TNG single episode puzzle script, you know, or right. riddle script, figure out your way out of what what's this alien conundrum. And and I had figured it out about three quarters through. I, I noticed when Picard, when they were all arguing about, you could be just one of them revealing to us that Picard thought to himself, that totally could be true, but I can only know that it's me <laughs> because I'm me. So from that point on, he sort of steered him away from that and was just observing to figure out which one of them was the was the the observer. And uh, so I was, uh, but I I didn't figure out who the observer was. So I was just waiting for 
Picard to drop the other, <laughs> the other, sh the, the other sh space shoe. But um, <laughs> I wanted, <laughs> I wanted uh, what's his name? Um, the Go I wanted Goofy Tooth when he came in and, <laughs> and tests his food and he licks it and throws it down. I wanted him to be like, "This burger is like a hockey puck." I thought that would have been really nice. Are they? Well, their their food, by the way, is that not a urinal cake? Because that's it's, sure it's what like it a, looks like to it's me. It's like a Jello urinal cake. That's disgusting. <laughs> I like how he just looks at it. He's like poison. No, <laughs> I know he takes one little bite and goes poison. I'm thinking, um, how 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 could you tell that? You know. Well, I guess since he's more animalistic, he might have more developed sense of smell. You know, I don't know. <laughs> he did yeah. have a bit. He did have a big snouty nose on him. <laughs> but uh, did you notice this? The the that this. The, the connections to New Trek on this, there's a ton of lens flare in this episode. <laughs> I did not notice that. No, At, I did not. All during the, the they're in their they're in their little captive chamber, and it's all lit by like the lights you would see in like a stripper's dressing room, or you know <laughs> backstage at the big Broadway play or whatever, and. Oh, every every light in that is given off lens flare, and I'm like, I guess there's a precedent for lens flare in Star Trek before J.J. <laughs> Abrams peed all over it. I like I, I like their little uh, when when Picard first like appeared on the bed. I was expecting to hear a voice go, Captain Jean Luc Picard, welcome to Laser Tag. It totally looks <laughs> right. like a like a laser tag setup. I didn't. I thought he was gonna get turned into a giant baby because it's like the 2001 monolith came and picked him up. <laughs> it was like the 2001 monolith mixed with a with a copying machine with a screensaver on it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting to see like shots of his eye blinking with the music ah and like flying down a psychedelic space pathway. But no, it's laser tag. <laughs> and when when is when it when the other Picard showed up, I was just going to myself, please be evil, Picard. Please be evil, <laughs> Picard. Please. Well, this this is kind of like that, but instead of it being good Picard and evil Picard, it's basically boring Picard and swell Picard because. The, the replacement Picard is much hipper and cooler. Everybody likes this guy. He he goes to Ten Ford. He goes to the poker game. He sings songs. He's you know romance in Beverly. So he yeah he's he's cooler. He's cooler Picard. Oh he except was except for trying to kill he everybody. Yeah. He wasn't just romancing her. He was hell bent on getting some. He walked, <laughs> right. And I'm thinking I'm thinking to myself. What does this have to do with their loyalty to a captain test? Right. This is, yeah. This is just some. This is just some like minimum wage worker going like, "Hey, well, actually, no. They're a collective, so you can't like sneak something off on the side. But the collective is like, hey, let's. Uh, while we're at it, let's see what this human sex thing is. There, there definitely seems to be a big fuss over it. So, 
this this again you know much you know we were talking about parallels between you know the the tos episode that we discussed in this episode well another parallel beyond the kidnapping thing is that i don't think it's a terribly well written episode because it's one of those ones that the more you think about it and, and start kind of dissecting it, the more the story kind of falls apart. Yeah. Because these these aliens at the end of it, when they stand revealed, seem rather naive and innocent about the ways of people. Yet they knew enough to be able to pretty accurately represent Picard. Well, they said they reproduced point. all his and all of his brains, so they had access to all his <laughs> memories and. And, you know, probably how he, they probably could, were playing like, they, they probably were partially Picard, you know what I mean? They, they probably were the, like, uh, the, I it, guess it, it would be like you had like a simulation of Picard that you could access, except they just get inside of him and they, they have his memories and stuff because. So does that end the moment that they stand revealed? The, the reason I ask I that is that, you know. So one of them was impersonating Picard, and then the other one was impersonating the Bolian woman. So th- did they replicate that Bolian woman from from somebody who actually exists? Because that would correct a little uh, problem with the episode if if that's true. Because when they stand revealed at the end, again to me they seem very almost childlike. Yes, and they seem really shocked when when. Picard calls down the ray shields from episode three to hold him in place there while he gives him a good stern talking to about how it's not nice to kidnap people and all that. But earlier in the episode, before we knew that the Bolian chick was the alien, that she herself delivers a stirring speech about how it's wrong to kidnap people and that they, you know, she feels violated and all that. And I'm thinking, you're well, right. If you know that, and you're the one that actually did the kidnapping here, then well, they might have known it to say it, but maybe they didn't understand it, you know, and they picked it. But yeah, I imagined with the bullying chick, what happened is the 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 2001 monolith. Everybody seemed to be like falling asleep or in a state of just sort of reverie or deep concentration, and that's right. when these guys could get at them. So they probably they probably just. Well, they probably just did what they did with the evil, the 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 fun Picard. They probably showed up over Skander like a copying machine, and then sent that copy into the into the test. You know, with one of with one of them in it, or maybe three of them in it, or whatever. Three of them show up when she right. is exposed, but. That, yeah, so she was so she was actually an exact, you know, so they still had the memories of her so they could probably put together. It, it, it just begs the question, though, why don't they just make copies of people, the copies of the people and put them in the test and watch to see what they do? That would be even more evil because then they could just toss them out in the space when they were done or whatever. It wouldn't matter, but... <laughs> But you know why? If they can copy all your neurons and stuff, then they basically are just like cloning you anyway. So why not just make fake ones and watch what they do? You know why did they have to go get the real people and set up their whole test? It, it falls apart under a lot of different. Well, is the directions. is the doppelganger Picard a a separate entity or is it the alien? Because I thought it was one of the aliens. It's hard to say whether they just 
you know, they might they, they they might just have matter transmutation type stuff. So where it's you know the alien is the the aliens may be in s- some more energetic state or something and something else or it's hard to say you know it might be for them to make to become the doppelganger Picard it's funny because this is all sounding like talk from the new Twin Peaks show actually but <laughs> to, to make the doppelganger Picard maybe it's like a transporter trip for them you know they go through the transporter and it and it jiggles around their flesh enough you know their matter enough to where they get where their suit becomes a starfleet you know copies all that but they have the the way their brain functions maybe they can also occupy the same place as picard or it's all very unclear it might have been there was that one point where after the poker game or during the poker game he takes troy outside and has his little awkward talk with her and i was thinking Ooh, Troy's definitely smelling a rat here, and I'm thinking to myself, could Troy actually be useful right now? Could they? Not they so have, much. It turns out, yeah, not so much. She just goes, "Oh yeah, he was acting funny when I talked to him too," but like, you know, they they could have used Troy to maybe sniff out what was going on, and and here's another thing that happened is, all right. The, this whole thing starts there's a big energy surge in the captain's quarters and it's to such a weird extent that they send a team down to check on him you know because he's not answering and everything and then he's just at the door with his tea just like can I help you guys and then they're like oh never mind captain and leave nobody goes like captain there was this huge energy surge from your cabin did you notice anything Strange, and then we couldn't get a hold of you from the intercom. Did anything happen? To, you know, there's nothing like that. And when they're in there, when they're doing the, the, you know, uh, do you know what you're saying? I. Well, there. It's this mutiny scene. <laughs> nobody goes. Nobody. They're all like, "Yeah, he's acting funny." I don't think this is Picard. Nobody goes like, "I wonder if this has anything to do with that power surge." Well, Data does. There is there's one brief mention where Data says something to the effect of, you know, that power surge. We never did explain what, what that is or figure out what that is. I forget the exact <laughs> well, there you go. Data yeah. does say something about it, but then they can just kind of drop it again. Yeah, maybe they – yeah, yeah. at some point, yeah, you maybe should have addressed that, you know, and gone into right. a, an investigation into that, you know. And that wouldn't have interfered really with the story element of this, you know. I – I, I like the the tension of you know, of of you know will number one be able to get the rest of the crew to go along with him and stuff, you know he's lucky the captain went out of his way to make everybody know that he was <laughs> something was wrong with him, but uh, I think that was part of the test too. You know I think they were probably testing to see if they could get number one to to you know, eventually get to that point and, and, and test, testing all the lit, you know, the envelope of all that. But I would have liked it much better if they were just an alien race that liked to stir the shit. Right. And this was, <laughs> this was a golden opportunity for him. Well, I got to thinking about that whole thing with alien abductions and everything. You know, wouldn't you think that by now, with all the times that this happened in TOS and it's already happened in 
TNG at least once that I can think of, wouldn't you think by this point in Starfleet history that the ships would be equipped with some sort of anti-alien abduction technology? You know, because this has just happened so many times, and and this isn't even the last time. There's going to be a, a legit abducted by greys episode in the future of of tng spoiler alert but that's I, that's actually a storyline that comes along i guess so when you meet a new alien race that you can't really like you you can't really anticipate what their technology is going to be you know you can only maybe make safeguards against it after you've encountered it and figured out what it was and learned how to counteract it so these i guess you know their, their their technology was different than it looked different than transporters. It was blue sparkles, you know. It looked like right. actually it looked like an actual actually uh, a cheaper, like special effects from the fifties type of thing more than uh, than the transporter did. So well, it's funny you say that because that that actually touches on two of my notes. The cheaper aspect because this was a money saving episode big time, and it really feels oh, like yeah. it because. You know, this season has already seen, you know, some some rather big budget episodes and it ends on a rather big budget episode. So you can see where they were, you know, they were doing a little money saving right here. Yeah, very much like Plato's redheaded stepchildren. And it also ends with basically a, a, a race that can manipulate us in a godlike fashion. And they basically get turned away with just a spanking. You know, right? But these guys just get a little spanky, and then, and then, I actually like where Picard goes. Now get off my ship! You know, it's it's sort of like Kirk with Parman, just like, yeah, shut up, you're full of shit. You know, <laughs> um, so, but at the same time, it's like, really, that's uh, that these guys, these guys are up there in the in the queue, sort of area of like potentially dangerous and uh wouldn't want to piss him off sort of thing and it's just like oh, all we had to do is uh um entrap them in this mime box for a couple minutes and they they figured it out and they'll leave us alone forever now now i tell you every time i see these guys these aliens at the end of this episode because i've seen this episode a lot of times Every time I see them, I'm always looking at them going, who are they under that makeup? Because they look so familiar to me. And I've never been able to put it together. But today, (laughs) just the weirdest thing bubbled up out of my out of my memory. Now, you've seen UHF with Weird Al Yankovic, right? Yes. That part where there's a commercial, and I, I couldn't even tell you what part of the movie it is, but it's, it's while they're, they're, they're holding a telethon. They have a name. They're the something and, twins. Yeah, those two brothers that are going, ooh, 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 <laughs> they, That's what these alien guys remind me of. Yeah, the, yeah, there's a little bit of Mac Tonight in it there, too. Right, right, right. <laughs> And there's a moon-faced alien from, like, one of the Clive Barker movies, too, that sort of looks like right. these guys, yep. too. And Bruce Campbell is, I mean, yeah, that's dead on. Too bad they weren't Bruce Campbell. That would make this episode way, way better. I'm very surprised that Bruce Campbell didn't get sucked into a Star Trek episode at some point in that his career. That would have been awesome. Yes, that it would have been cool. Yeah, as a captain of another ship. Here, Here's a question for you. 
in Star Trek, if there's no money and food and drink is just synthesized, why the hell does anybody care when the captain goes, free ales for everyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, it's I all free ales for everyone every I day, that, Captain. I think that every time something like that happens in an episode like this, I, I have the exact same thought, is why is that such a big thing? It's like your boss coming in and going, hey, everybody, airs on the house today. Exactly, yeah. It, it, it's a completely meaningless gesture. Yeah, I, I, it's funny you you. And they're all like, hurrah! Yeah, I it's, had the it, same thought. And I'm thinking, okay, since nobody's buying their drinks, is that just like, is that just the captain going, hey, everybody, get drunker! <laughs> and that's the only thing that it could possibly mean. But they were doing the, like, always, you know, playing the old-time captain at the bar and stuff, but it was just, it was dumb. But it's... It's always fun to get to see Picard sing, too. Well, it, it is, and it's one of those things where it makes you... You know, it's one of those things where I, I would love to, to... Maybe when we're done with with TOS episodes... I, I wish he would have sang Bitter Dregs. That's another <laughs> thing that we have. We have another deep-voiced... <laughs> Deep voice stoic guy singing in 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 this episode. So there's a lot of ties between <laughs> these two. But maybe at some point when we're done with with TOS episodes, maybe we could we could do some episodes where we talk about, you know, just different aspects of Trek. Because one thing I've always wanted to to talk about and really explore is this whole, you know, society without money thing that that they tout several times over the history of Star Trek and, and the different incarnations and the different series, but they never really get too deep into it. Like, exactly how would that work? It's really hard, because the more you think about it, the more you're like, oh, okay. And, and, then, and, and, and then you notice things, and, and, you, and, it, and like, if they truly were going in that direction, there would be... But, well, I guess other planets have money and stuff, so you could have your hairy muds running around trying to scam people and stuff like that. But but you had stuff like you had, you know, you had those miners that from a hairy mud episode that were spending all their pay on mm -hmm. women and stuff like that. So it was yep. like a convenience thing. And I I don't know if you've watched far enough into the Orville, but there's at what there's one point in the Orville where they try to address, you know, oh, we don't, they're, they're telling a character from another time period, we don't have money right now, or we, or I don't remember what the, how they get to explain it, but they're explaining to someone about why they don't have money, and they said, yeah, we don't, you know, money, there is, money doesn't exist anymore, our only currency is our reputation. So that's the only thing that people have, that's what people use to trade. And I'm listening to that going like, yeah, that don't work either. And I'm like, nice try, Orville, but, you know, that might be one of those things that, like, the more you try to address it, the more tangled up you're going to get everything. And it's and if you do address it, you're going you're gonna to set up all sorts of conundrums with past episodes where there was sort of money sort of stuff going on, you know? Right. I mean... 
Or you could write it off to where when Kirk was like, oh, I don't have any money because in Star Trek time, you know, you had a chip built into the base of your neck that just transmitted your bank account into it. So they never had money money. You know, they never had hard currency or something. So Kirk does it. You know, it's hard to say what it is. Although I do imagine that with Gene Roddenberry trying to do a, a futuristic, you know, evolved society, he would be, you know, he would have thrown out there. Oh yeah, they don't have money either. Or personal, <laughs> or personal conflict. <laughs> both of those, well, I mean, I, both I of like those the... things are like, are just like, they're great ideas to think about. They're, they're, they're show killers when you try to like throw them into episodes. Right. I mean, it's one of those things I think it would be fun to explore sometime because I, I think the intent here was by saying there is no money that what he was trying to say was that want had been eliminated. Right. That there was no longer want. There was no longer the accumulation of wealth. There was no longer money controlling people and, and controlling the way the world works. That, that's a wonderful thought, actually, and I, I really like that. But the problem with it, the, the flip side is that, now granted, we're supposed to be dealing with a, an evolved set of people, you know, evolved sensibilities. So you have to take that into account. But the thing I always look at is that I don't care how evolved you are, you're always going to have people that they have to have a carrot. You know, you have to dangle a carrot in order to make them do things. Sometimes you actually have to wield a stick to make them do things. And money serves that purpose in the, the society in a lot of ways for people. See, and I think, they, I I think really Star Trek think... writes a lot of that off by going, oh, well, by society advancing, you have less people that need the stick, you know. By bringing right, but, society but, that those people find their niche in, you know, being a librarian I, or something. Where I really got to thinking about this really example. hard was, of all places, DS9. Because DS9 was the first one that I could really recall where we spent a significant amount of time on on Earth, you know, in, in yeah. their modern day Earth. And there was a, an, a at least one episode, I think it was a couple of episodes, where Cisco goes home and visits his dad, who was played by um, Brock Peters. The He was the black admiral in um, Star Trek VI, the one that was actually secretly a conspirator with the Klingons. And he plays a great role in it as, as Cisco's dad, and he's running this restaurant in New Orleans. And I remember thinking while I'm watching the episode, it's like, why Why would you do that? If want has been eliminated, food is free, there is no money, where the hell is your incentive to do something like run a restaurant and manage this business that wouldn't really be a business because you're not accepting payment for anything? Well, you see, I've, always, I mean, I've always imagined a society like that because I like to think about, like, it's... I mean, actually, when it comes right down to it, it's not even as much about humanity evolving. It's about technology, because mm -hmm. because right now we're you know we're in we're in a state where technology is starting to eliminate a lot of jobs, like you right. know, like like repetitive labor jobs and even jobs where that needed thinking involved. There's that wasn't that isn't like complex thinking. They're making stuff that has algorithms that will do 
stuff that humans do good enough to do it, you know? So, you know, it, you know, when you add hundreds of years of, of technological advance to that, I would see like almost a society where you just sort of have a basic foundational amount of like, all right, because the technology in Star Trek, and this is another place where it makes money problematic, is you have technology that can just manufacture matter. So, and, and energy, you know, they have ways of ge- so just sort of generating energy. So, you know, basically you have something that can make matter from energy. You don't have to grow crops. You don't have to uh, transport food and items anywhere. You know, I mean, if, if, if you wanted any kind of item, a book, uh, anything, you could just, you know, if you had it on, on record, you can make a copy of it in your house, you know, and you don't have to worry about heating your house and stuff. You don't have to pay a gas company or, or anything like that. But I would imagine there would be sort of like a basic level in society where you're like food and housed, you know, you, you, you would people would be given a certain amount of housing and food and you know their own their own matter thing so they could eat and stuff but you know there's always going to be people who want more than that and right. for the people who want more you could start up a business that's something you know you could i mean even though you can make your own food there's something about going to a restaurant and you're sitting around with other people and you know if you're eating you know so are you saying that you you by contributing you're not necessarily making more money but you're allowed a a, a nicer piece of the pie because you're contributing you can buy you can you can you know you can add another layer you know level to your house or you have a really nice you can get a fancy car or you can go buy, go buy yourself some antique uh you know reading glasses to give to your friend as a as a birthday right. present or something like that you know that that makes a certain amount of sense because the thing that i always think about you know you and i joked about this a long time ago but i i think you know in the jest there's a good point which is in this moneyless free society who shovels shit you know who who is the janitor you know who who cleans the latrines you i've know? thought about this a lot I like jobs like that, though. Like, and I'm not alone. You know, there's people there. I think actually the majority of people want something useful to do to give some meaning to their life. And like in in a, in Star Trek world, in theoretical Roddenberry head world, you know, it could be like I like labor so like yeah i'll be the uh, you know or, or i'm a mr scott i like tech i like meddling with with te- technical stuff it's fun to me so i'm the guy who upkeep goes and repairs your your matter transmit you know your matter replicator or whatever see and- i like that i like that idea because i think it's a wonderful thought and i think it probably is where where Roddenberry was was thinking is that I think that in a lot of ways he was looking at a very um, 
you know, a very much the approach like like Walt Disney, I think, you know, he never was was terribly clear on it because so much of it was in his head. But, you know, Walt was was working on actually designing um, Epcot the city. Right. Which right. would be a place that people would live and work. But, you know, one of the things with that is that you had to contribute. You you couldn't just live there and and be on unemployment. You know, you had to contribute to the society. And if you did not contribute, then you were booted the hell out of there. At least that's the prevailing theory, because, again, a lot of this was in his head. And that's what I would like to know about. The, it's the ba- world of Star Trek and their society is that well, there's a million hippie communes that, that did that, that same thing, and you know they, you know, yeah. But see, yeah, I, I would just like to know, you know, definitively, is that how this works? Because I think it's a wonderful idea that, you know, in a couple of hundred years time, that we have our shit together so well as a people on Earth that. No one starves. No one goes without. Everything is provided for, but everyone contributes as well. I love that idea, but the realist in me is going, wait a minute. How? Uh, what about the lazy shits? Well, what about this huge section of our society that already is content to just live off the governmental teeth for as long as they can and and contributes jack shit i've done research into this (laughs) Uh, i i think well you know and this is also comparing i mean any research i've done into it obviously is on modern you know things of that and and the deadbeat the deadbeats and the and i mean and when i say deadbeats everybody knows somebody like in their family you know, there's always a notorious, at least one in every family, you know, that it's like, oh, you know, poor Pete, or not poor Pete, but it's like, actually, it's like that son of a bitch Pete, he hasn't had a job in three years, and he's still living at Alfred's house and right. drinking eight gallons of, of booze a day and, and, and collecting his check. That, like, those people are like a statistical constant in society. There's like a percentage of people who are wired that way. And I like, I think that that like, and, and, and society absorbs a lot, a lot of them. Some of them get absorbed by like the taxpayer dollar. Like they end up on, on welfare or something. Some of them, some of them get absorbed by their parents or whatever in Star Trek world. I'm, I, I would think if I wanted to channel Gene Roddenberry, I'd say by that time, you know, when society reaches that point where people are everybody, everybody's fed and can just sort of be like, I want to pursue what I really do, that there's less of those people because those people can actually pick something in that they're in. You know, somebody could say like, oh, well, you know what? Because. Even those people who are lazy shits, they still have something they're interested in, and they do. It's just a lot of times maybe so that, not that, something see, that they I'm, would make money off of, you know? That's what I'm getting at is because, see, in, in Star Trek world, there is no chemical addiction, at least not on Earth, you know, in Earth right. society. So, you know, the, the, the crackheads are not crackheads in the 23rd, you know, 23rd and 24th right. centuries. So they're doing something. They've they've so figured that, out that whatever really, that's it is psychological to... or or physiological that makes somebody an addict, or whatever. But not really because then there's 
there's an episode of TNG coming up where everybody becomes little addicts with a video game that feeds them dopamine, you know, which is right. what makes anybody, which is what peop, makes people addicts nowadays, you know. So, so I guess my question though is that is is there is it allowed? Is there anybody in Star Trek world that's sitting on their maybe ass. they're not strung, yeah maybe they're not strung yes. out on crack but is there anybody that's just not motivated to, to do shit do, doesn't do a fucking thing yeah I I, I would have to say lives. I would have to say if I was Gene Roddenberry he'd be like oh no but there's just always you're always gonna get those and I think in a Star Trek society. You could absorb. I don't think a Star Trek society would create people like that. I don't think. I think if given the opportunity, most humans want to do stuff that's use. You know, that want meaning to their lives. But there would have to be, and those people could just live in their, you know, in their basic cube, and and eat cheeseburgers all their lives and. And play video games and do See, whatever, I, that's whatever what the saying, loafers though, is do that, in the twenty third century. You and I are approaching it from. I don't know. I I, I want an answer to, in 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 Roddenberry's envisionment of this society, if he ever bothered to think this shit out this far, where are those people? You know, I think what they're, do I they think they're do? living in their parents. They're living in their parents' basement, or they're living in some sort of basic you know just basic house it's like okay you've turned 18 we've got a we've got a cinder block house for you you know it's got a bet yeah it, but it's, see, that doesn't that doesn't wash with the vision though because the vision is that there there's no poverty there's no i mean because there's I, you probably haven't seen it it would be but relative there's, there's poverty episode, but you would be you could still eat there's healthy. a great episode where where uh, Deanna is talking to, of all people, um, Samuel Clemens, the real Samuel Clemens. And she's telling him about what's coming in the future of humanity. That in a couple of hundred years, they get their shit together. And I forget the, the specific ad, you know, the specific whatever adverbs or whatever that she throws out, but she specifically mentions like disease, famine, want. They're all eliminated. So there there is no poverty there is no drug addiction there is no you know and and if you extrapolate those far enough what i'm hearing is that not only is not not there's not any disease or famine or war but that there's no sloth you know there that people well, you know they, they've stepped up as a as a society and that everyone contributes and well, and there's, I there's think some that's sloth both a that's caused idea. by mental illness. You know, there's right. some sloth that's like there's some people who are just depressed all their lives and can't get out of bed and stuff like that. So I'm guessing all those reasons are either taken care of medically or psychologically. And I would guess that, like, I don't know, the one in a hundred people that under these conditions would be like, yeah, I'm just going to sit and watch TV for the rest of my life in my in my basic government house they probably you know they can they can do that and they they won't have to worry if they go to the doctor they can they can probably fix most anything that goes wrong with you and you can eat you have access to like you know as healthy a food as you want with your with your replicator thing and you have access to all the education probably you know i mean you have that now with the internet 
So in the future, you know, they could they they would have access to training themselves in something if they wanted to, and they probably had would have. There probably are people who who would are like job counselors who would be like, hey, you know, you ever think of you know, you show up at their office and go like, ah, I need something to do, and they'll be like, okay, well, what are your skills or whatever training, and send you in for training if you get like that. But I imagine. There would just have to be statistically some people that sit on their ass and, and Star Trek society would just absorb that. Our society basically, you know, I mean, just general society around the world. Now, when you say on, absorb that, are you are you meaning that they're allowed that's allowed to exist? It's allowed and, to and exist. It's probably socially not the greatest thing in the world. You know, you're probably not looked upon by your peers as, you know, if maybe you lived in See, seclusion the, and the, didn't do anything but wrote a book every once in a while and everybody liked the book, they'd be like, ah, whatever, you know, keep writing books. But if you're just some, you're some guy who plays video games and doesn't make anything out of himself, probably your, probably your whole family is just sort of like, yeah, whatever, doofus, you know. And it's probably taboo. You're not going to get in trouble over it, but you're not going to be looked at as a valued member of society so that and that would be like See, these are the things that the I, I wish that pure star trek was back for is to examine and and really comment on these sorts of things because yeah. these are the sorts of things sort of that star trek's for to, to my mind star trek just never got around to exploring because it's a hard co- I, I don't mean, it's a complicated I, I, conversation <laughs> you know, I like the idea of exploring these issues. The the problem is is that I you know, there there is a great potential for looking at it and going, "Hey, you know, that that's actually kind of sinister and and doing it that way." I don't like to look at that was always my problem with with DS9 is that there there's an episode where somebody, I think it was Quark, talks about you know the the beautiful sheen that you know the beautiful facade of the federation but the, there was this sinister underbelly and i always hated that but when you look at you know the way i'm envisioning this is that basically in order to have this utopian society everybody has to contribute that in itself sounds a little sinister like i like don't know if i don't know if is, you would have to permit it i think uh, you see that's th- that's where it it, it I, I'm, I'm, th- and this is where it gets into. I think Roddenberry was a little too. Uh, I don't know if he was being optimistic or if he was just trying to set a bar or something. And and it wasn't as much with TOS, but when when you know, by the time TNG came around, he was like, "I am the mastermind of Star Trek." You know, he had more of a reputation as as and and was like maybe flexing his muscles of like, you know, I want to actually try to make a little change on. So he was trying to set this bar of like semi-perfection, but you can't have humanity reach perfection or you're going to have the most boring TV show ever made. But he was trying to like sort of, sort of portray that. And it's just, it's just a little too, too much you know i mean i it's 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 right there in his whole thing about like yeah there just wouldn't be that much personal conflict between people and 
and put and trying to get the you know the stories to be along that and like all the writers going like you know 90 percent of what a writer does involves conflict personal conflict 90 percent right. of every story ever involved so it's like you know what are you doing to us roddenberry you want us to have a, you know do you want a world where humanity has reached its perfect state or do you want to have a one that has drama in it that line between pop entertainment well, and pure I, science fiction. I think, I think what he was trying to say, though, is that not not necessarily that humans were perfect, but that terrestrially speaking, right. we had gotten our shit together. So that the the conflict in the show was going to come from without Outside. instead of coming right. from within. So we were no longer going to deal with the everyday mundane shit that we put up with in our modern day society, like, you know, interpersonal strife and race relations and Social hunger issues. and famine and war. We weren't going to deal with that, you know, in the current context, we were going to deal with that out there. So right. there could be conflicts between humanity and the Klingons or humanity and, you know, whatever the Romulans, but it wasn't going to be people fighting with right. people it because was always we the, were it, it was always the people explaining to the, the the barbarian race how we conquered whatever it was that was following them up at that time right and in so TNG, my, my question that i was my question i was trying to ask before did you ever see the movie wally yeah so in that humanity is now living on a spaceship where every want and desire is taken care of for that they have they they literally don't have to do anything so they don't do anything right they ride around in these hover chairs and they're all fat little shits they're they're they're, they're, and I'm they're thinking, the dystopian version of a star trek future you know they're the right. they're the future of where we got the technology but humanity did not advance at all so humanity has that so that's that technology but they're just using it like slobs and they've to the point of where they got it early enough to where they could become so slovenly it's like idiocracy basically they got so slovenly they forgot exactly. even how to use their te you know they exactly. they they, they, they so evolved my, my under is, their technology so my thing is is that in order to get to where star trek or, or where a, a society that wouldn't wind up like they wound up in Wally would get to, to my mind, you, you get there one of two ways. You either get there with the carrot or the stick. Now, because we're talking Star Trek, I don't want to believe it's the stick. I don't think Roddenberry ever intended it oh, for, no. to be the stick. So what I want to know is what's the carrot? What is the carrot there's that a, has made humanity as a collective whole step forward and we don't have fat, lazy slobs because you never see fat people in Star Trek. There are no fat friggin' slobs that do no, nothing. No, Everybody an engineer will have a an engineer will have kind of a gut, and that's about it. No, but I mean, Scotty doesn't have a gut because he's a lazy shit that does nothing. He has a gut because he's an old guy that's he's putting a on weight. There's guy. a difference, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, no, I know. Yeah. And, and but like, but what I'm talking about is, I, I I disagree with you in the aspect of there is still a percentage of people that don't contribute at all that live in mom's basement and do nothing but play video games for the rest of. I I, I think there are in in that future I they would think be there a are. small. I think in that future it's 
There would that be a small percentage that there are no people like that well, anymore. And, and, that that, that humanity has collectively stepped forward. And, and so this future, I there's know a lot of things the that's made them do that. I think there's a lot of things. There's a lot of extra like. Okay, so the, 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 the premise of humanity getting its shit together is, is like, okay, we've wiped out poverty, we've wiped out hunger and sickness and all, and all that. And that drove humanity since, you know, and one of the major tenets of, of Star Trek is that humanity is driven to explore and to advance. So once we conquered all that stuff on Earth, instead of like in the, our sister episode, like the Platonians instead of just sitting there and like let's stew in our perfection we are driven to be like all right we've we've gotten rid of all this stuff on earth we could just sit here and eat food and watch movies for the rest of our existence right we've got all <laughs> right. the technology for that but we're humans and we want to know what's out in space you know and so now you've got starfleet and starfleet is huge so now you have, you have, um, say you're, you're on Earth and, and you're, you're living life on Earth and you've got this sort of, where, where you can do everything, I guess the premise is most humans would be like, I want to do something, you know, I, I want novelty. I want to learn things and do things because, you know, so you have Starfleet, to, you could go into Starfleet and get on a ship. And if you're technically minded, you could go do that. If you're science minded, it seems like science is a very big deal, is a, something that attracts a lot of people. And so you could go on a science vessel. Or if you're more earthy pr type of like salt of the earth person that, that wants a little more of a challenge in your life or maybe to be more of a frontiersman, you could go s settle, a planet, settle a planet or be a... Um, part of a scientific survey, you know, a survey on a planet or something, you know, there's, there's mankind is expanding out into the universe. You know, there's, there's earthmen living on star bases. They're living on other planets. They're, they're spread out. So there's, there's sort of a more, a larger world to operate in. And, you know, without like, say, you know, if, if depression is something that they can give you a hypo for and then it's not a problem in your life after that or they know psychological or you know a combination of the two they get rid of that that hurdle for people then there's a whole bunch of people right there who are going to start doing something productive and you know i don't know what the statistical but if you only have one of a thousand turn out to be a Pete Hesh that wants to live with Alfred all the time then you go okay they can sit on earth and, and live with Alfred you know and the rest of us will go about you know I guess maybe they you know they're they're imagining a grand philosophy of humankind that like a lot of that captures people's imagination so people are into that lifestyle so they want to pursue you know and I, I always wonder what happens to all the contrarian pricks, you know, who are just like, yeah, technology is evil. You know, you're always going to get those, too. You know, those people aren't mental illness. Those are people who have a different philosophy. So I imagine society would absorb them, too. 
and they would probably go live 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 somewhere you know out in the woods or something like that i don't know that's that is this is the kind of that this is what science fiction is for you know to to start this kind of conversation because you know whatever that theoretical world is it's not a world that's ever happened so we really don't know what the template for it is especially in our world which is not anywhere near that so it's 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 a good it's it's a good way to have those conversations uh, the only other way that I think is better is science is to be like scientifically like have a conversation about that stuff without it getting into the mess of like politics say you know or or people's right. personal opinions or, or, or stuff like that so science fiction is a good good you know sort of lightning rod for ideas of what you know what the you know possible future and it's all based on you know of course the information of what we have now so that's why I li- and that's why like I've always thought that next generation is the most pure Star Trek Star Trek you know it's the most sort of working in that Roddenberry and you know and and I haven't seen Deep Space Nine yet but from all reports that's the one that was like here's where we show all the cracks in that you know and here's where we show right. that the foibles of humanity are still very much in play and those foibles were also in in next generation but not as much and a lot of times when it was when they would do a story like that it would be like the ones where the alien slugs took over people and in the end it was the right. slugs that were doing all the bad bad creepy you know political intrigue stuff so yeah it's never gonna shore up realistically you know it's and it's and it might be better for that for them to be vague i think that's why there's never been any kind of official star trek attempt to explain all that stuff to explain what life on earth has been like it shows up in stories where people are are living and doing stuff but nobody's like sat down and had like written a star trek book about the social structure of of earth and humanity you just get little bits and pieces of it and and stuff like that and, oh sure, and they conflict. But no, I agree with you. I think you know this. This is what good science fiction is for, and you know that you know having still these these types of discussions and these so, sort of unanswered questions gives me hope that eventually someday Star Trek will come back round to this sort of thing. Yeah, as well. Yeah, it's uh, and 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 right now, yeah. I'm enjoying Discovery and I'm enjoying the Orville and the Orville is more towards like towards that but yeah the the I have noticed in general like movies and stuff there's been um definitely a a, a turn towards some more harder science fiction coming up coming out it just has been sort of in the cracks you know it hasn't been the big money makers that that movie Arrival that came out a year ago or so, a couple years ago, that mm-hmm. was pretty hard science fiction, and that director has another one coming out that's that seems like it's really hard. the The new Blade Runner movie was pretty hard science fiction, 
was 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 a hundred percent like hard sci-fi so there's uh, that didn't do too well though <laughs> but they're coming out you know there's uh, there's i think there has been a desire for them or there's a generation of filmmakers that's about our age or you know a little older or a little younger that have a desire for them right so so there's been there's been some more like real sci-fi like sci-fi popping up i uh i i hope there's more in star trek but you know there's so much like even just within tng just within this one episode which i wouldn't say is one of the stronger episodes of tng (laughs) gave us plenty to talk about on on that topic so well that's why i was happy to tangent because at the end of the day i think this one's kind of a snoozer it's not a bad episode it's just it's it's by the numbers it's just kind of yeah very much so it's got its moments i like the moment at the end where picard i wish he didn't explain it to the aliens but i like the moment where he got on the ship and non-verbally every you know when they got their captain back everybody like jumped into non-verbal you know communication and trapped the aliens and then picard finally grew a pair and yelled at him and told him to get off his ship and got a little Kirk-like. Well, it's and, amazing that there's this well-oiled machine that can function just with a glance from the captain, but, uh, yeah, not ever again, you know? I mean, <laughs> in this one episode that happens, but any other time they're a bunch of clueless shits, you know? So, yeah, I don't quite buy that. An- it's a little convenient. Another thing I liked about this episode was the ending, though, where the ending where they had the little winky moment where where Beverly was trying to let him think, you know, was letting him think that maybe they had a little hanky panky on the side, and that moment, right. and then the moment, and then the music cue at the very end was totally old school Star Trek. Kirk, you know, getting right. joked at by the the bridge crew, and then just you know that sort of do 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 sort of musical cue at the end. <laughs> And uh, I like that, you know. I don't know. I was I was just so happy to be watching a Next Generation episode, knowing that oh, I'm sure. go- that I'm re-entering the flow on it. That I was just enjoying the whole ambiance of 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 an episode. So oh, absolutely, that made it better. But as in the context of Star Trek: The Next Generation, this was just yeah, not a bad episode, but not a standout episode. You're just like your boilerplate next generation, yeah. you know, one and done. Yeah. Well, the only other thing I, I had like. on this was... <laughs> yeah, I, I did too, because this is, you know, this is a, a standard... It's a you comfy know, shoe. Uh, yeah. It, it's the kind of one that, you know, you're flipping the channels and there's one on... Oh, you know, it's that one kind of thing. So, yeah. But uh, I had a moment during the episode when, uh, when the, the Picard doppelganger drops by the poker game I was like oh you know I don't remember him ever doing that except in the very last episode of the series and when I was doing some reading about this one today that is the only other time Picard ever drops by the poker game is in the very last episode of the series so it was funny without realizing it I you know I kind of caught that I thought that was kind of interesting because yeah Picard was invited but never comes to the game until the very last episode. I wish they smoked cigars. I always thought was cool. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing that's missing from that is some cigar smoke in the air. And they should smoke cigars because, you know, they 
it's not like they're going to chain smoke them. They can just smoke them during their poker game as part of the tradition. And if they get a spot on their lung, then they can just go down to sick bay and have somebody. <laughs> well, you would think if they could come up with a with a uh, you know what do they call it a synthahol where they can just shake off the effects, you know by by just kind of mentally shrugging them off that they could come up with a. You know, with a cigar or a cigarette or whatever yeah. that you know they yeah, could get simulated. all the pleasure, but none of the the back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Synthes cigarettes or some stupid S- things, just synthegrettes or space something. Va- yeah. Space vape or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> it looks like a nacelle. <laughs> but that's all I got on this one. Uh, you know, it's it's not the most thrilling episode, but it's you know it's a pretty pretty fun little one. I like coming. I like coming back on something. You know, something. That, both episodes were nothing spectacular in the history of Star Trek, but they right. were just sort of. They, they were just sort. Of, it's like coming home to space home. <laughs> well, next time we have a humdinger. We have Captain's Holiday, which should be a lot of fun because this is yet another episode. That proves what a boring old bastard Captain Picard is. He goes to the planet where you get laid. And what does he do? He reads a book. I was just going to say, does he read a book? He reads a book. Yeah. Oh, dear God. Well, do they take... I I hope they take Wesley down and he... Well, actually, I hope they don't take Wesley down because he's going to ruin it (laughs) for everybody else if they do. (laughs) Oh, my God. You get your first... If you mess up your first crack at the Planet of the Porn Stars, you don't mess up your second crack, okay, Jean-Luc? You (laughs) dummy. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two Two True Freaks. Now get off my ship.
Mr. Crusher, set course to rendezvous with the Hood, Warp 8. Aye, sir. It's good to have you back, sir. <laughs>